Good morning. This is the weekly wrap for Saturday, May 27th. Well, starting at the very top with the macro issues, the probably the highest drama of the week was related to the debt ceiling discussions where the federal government has essentially run out of money to pay their bills. And so this is a high-level drama between Democrats and Republicans. It happens very frequently. In fact, it's happened 78 times, I believe, since 1960. So um, Republicans want to spend less. Democrats um, will fight them on that, claiming that Republicans want to cut social spending. It's the normal drama that plays out every time we run into this. At stake is the credibility of the U.S. uh, federal government's um, ability to pay their bills. Will they default? We've never defaulted. We've come close uh, once. I I believe it was with Newt Gingrich and President Clinton, where we actually shut the government down and stopped paying its employees. That ended up not working well for either party. So my suspicion is that while there is a lot of drama surrounding this, uh, we will get it resolved probably sometime next week before we go into a legitimate default. Fitch uh, threatened to lower the U.S. ratings, uh, credit ratings from AAA uh, if they don't get it resolved by next week. So we'll see what happens. But there's a lot of anxiety in the markets overall about this particular issue. Uh, the other data we got was related to inflation. PCE, uh, which is another uh, inflation metric, came in stronger than expected. Market was looking for 4.6% uh, reading, and we came in at 47 So that immediately raised the probability of the Fed uh, raising rates one more time in June from less than 40% to now a 57% probability that the Fed is going to raise rates here again in June. Adding fuel to that was the personal spending numbers that came in. Uh, many in the market feel like the consumer is hurt and having trouble you know, making ends meet and spending would be low. That is not what happened. We actually beat the estimate. Market came in looking for a 0.5% uh, spending, and we came in at 0.8. So better than expected consumer health is what that reading tells us. And then the uh, GDP number came in higher than expected for last month at 1.3%. And it is expected next week, next month to be closer to 2%. Remember that the official reading of a recession is two successive months of uh, negative GDP reading and an increase in unemployment. And unfortunately, none of those variables are happening for the Federal Reserve. That's what they want. They want to cool consumer spending. We have record low unemployment. We have strong GDP. And so the market overall, the economy overall, seems to be handling these rate hikes uh, better than expected. In other news, the Ukraine war, unfortunately, is turning out uh, bad for Ukraine. Uh, It looks like Russia has turned the tide in a number of cities uh, on the eastern side. They've just uh, essentially are grinding it out with more personnel, more money, um, and more military equipment. And it it appears that over the last several weeks, it has taken a much harder turn for the worse for Ukraine. And so, unfortunately, I think over the next several months, you're going to be hearing more and more about Ukraine losing this war. Uh, And I'm not exactly sure how the world responds with more money or more weapons, if that deflates them or energizes them to do more. Not exactly sure how that happens. But at this point, uh, the tide has turned against Ukraine. 
Uh, we did get crude oil uh, data again this week, so we got a huge drawdown of inventories of some 12 million barrels. Uh, we we uh, that was on crude. We drew down gasoline inventories of two million barrels. And this all while drawing, again, another 1.6 million barrels out of the SPR. So understand what we're looking at. We're drawing oil out of our government reserves and at the same time uh, not able to keep pace with demand uh, here in the United States. Uh, OPEC, as I mentioned uh, in the video earlier in the week, announced that they were um, getting ready to bring the pain on the shorts in the market. And that probably is just a follow through on their uh, emergency cut uh, back in April. And that does seem to be flowing through the data. We are getting uh, increases in demand out of China and, and globally. So the, the data is confirming that we are getting very quickly past the COVID lockdown levels in China and even here in the United States and globally. So demand up, supply down. The squeeze is getting uh, tighter and tighter on the crude oil fundamentals and the managed money that is sitting on a near record short in that market. I'm expecting some severe volatility at some point this summer. Uh, in the grain complex here, we did have a nice bounce the last couple of days uh, with the corn market fast approaching now, the July corn market fast approaching the 620 gap that we talked about. Uh, that is the gap in the weekly chart for July corn. We closed at pretty close to 605 on that, so we're only about 15 cents. So if you're under marketed on old crop corn, that might be an area to relieve some stress. Uh, but the real resistance comes in a lot closer to 650 on July corn where that is uh, the combining of the 50-day moving average and the 100-day moving average come in between that 650 and 660 area. So that would probably be another area to relieve some stress uh, or hold out for uh, from any more old crop marketing. Uh, soybeans, we talked about the gap at 1420 on the July contract. We're clearly a lot further away from that. And... Um, and so, you know, that I, I would hold out on any old crop marketing. We don't see, we don't have a lot of beans left. That would be my target on, on that. What's interesting about both markets is that the July SEP spread continues to hold in there. In fact, corn during the week made brand new highs. So the July, September, that went from 75 um, over to down, crashed down to 60 last week, made new highs this week at 80 over. So, you know, very strong indications on the spreads that uh, continued confirmation that we're running out of old crop corn, despite all the drama with the export losses and China cancellations. Um, you know, the rhetoric is that we're losing demand. Uh, that's their view. My view is we don't have the corn to export and we have far stronger domestic demand than we can afford to. We can't just can't let any corn get exported because our ex, our internal demand is just too strong. For soybeans, um, you know, South America is still shipping and still cheaper than we are and will be for several months. But uh, that, that squares up and gets a little bit closer horse race in September where the U.S. is, is uh, equally competitive uh, with Brazil almost at this point and certainly October forward. So this is not anything unusual. The U.S. typically loses all the export business and beans through October, but we'll see what happens if we end up getting back competitive in September or not. But that would be a, a surprise to the upside if we were able to get that. 
Um, market's still grappling with the scale of the losses in Argentina. Uh, more confirmation that that soybean crop is now 20, 21 million metric tons, not the 27, 28, where the government has it right now, USDA. And so uh, the fallout on that is related to crush and Argentina's ability to supply the world with meal and oil. That too will rear itself later in the summer once Argentina has cleaned themselves out of their old crop beans. Um, wheat, we saw the funds expand their short from 100,000 to 110,000 contracts. Uh, so that continues to provide support under this market, uh, even though we're not technically seeing much uh, of a run. But I think overall, at some point, this mon managed money is going to get completely flushed out of that short in the wheat market. That's what we've been waiting for uh, to support the rally that I'm expecting at some point in wheat. Uh, the corn market did see a, an expansion of that short back to 100,000 contracts, and as expected, the managed money is now even on soybeans. For cotton, we, we did lose the 200-day the moving average again this week. That comes in at 84.64, so while late last week and earlier this week we were above that, we're now back below that. Um, July has traded between 76 cents and 89 cents for the last nine months. So it's been locked very much in a range. Um, what is not known for the rest of the July contract and the price action is which one wins out? Is it producer sales? Is it farmers that need to sell that takes the market down? Is it the paper short in the market? Is it the um, managed money that has now flipped from short to long cotton? Yep, they did flip their positions here this week. We also have the index funds that roll the first week of July. Um, and so now, you know, and, and we also have West Texas, you know, getting good rains um, scattered in the Lubbock North area for sure. Uh, although I did meet with an insurance company in West Texas, uh, from West Texas late, uh, early last week. And they were talking about, uh, ironically, that the more rain Lubbock North got, uh, the, the more they're losing cotton acres. They're going to be planting other crops because they felt like they would financially work out better. Um, uh, if you're expecting to plant cotton and it does come up, you have to throw a lot of money at it. And at these prices, financially, it just does not work. So they're, they're noting a bunch of their farmers are going to plant less cotton. So that's the irony here is that with the rains, uh, we may be actually losing acres in West Texas. And so if I look at a drop of about another four or 500,000 acres of planted acres in cotton, uh, it's going to be very difficult to get this crop much above 16 million bales. It's going to take a, a low abandonment, a pretty good yield to hit um, and, and make this balance sheet bearish. So I, even though we're getting rains in West Texas, it's not surprising to me that the market really isn't moving much away from 80 cents. Um, until we know more about the demand side of the picture, it, we did sell uh, another 120,000 bales. Shipments were a little bit lower, but we're absolutely well on our pace still to get this carryout down to 3 million bales, which from a historical context is pretty tight. So uh, cotton market, I think, remains locked in this $80 to $90 area. Uh, if things get soft going into the July either options expiration or toward the end of the month on pricing, it may dip down to 75, but I don't expect it to do much more uh, than that for the rest of the year. So there's the update uh, overall on a, on a macro issue. And then as it relates to each one of these commodities, 
I, am, I have no interest in doing any pricing of any new crop at this point. Weather is just too volatile. You saw the drought maps. Uh, they are expanding. We are it did experience record dryness in the Midwest all through May, and it's, it's expected to carry out through the first couple of weeks of June. Um, whether it continues from there on or not is, is um, sort of the open debate. Uh, for now, most of the models have it cooling and then some rain coming into the upper Midwest. And so, you know, if these models verify over the next week or two, we will fill these gaps uh, in the corn and beans. We will get new crop corn up to 550. We will get new crop beans, you know, probably a lot closer to $13. Again, not really interested in doing much there because I know the old crop balance sheets are flashing uh, severe tightness. And any weather hiccups uh, here forward could lead to a pretty explosive situation. Uh, you saw the video update that if, if for some reason the managed money flips their position, you're talking about extreme price moves at some point this summer. So that's the update. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the weekend. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS. Take care.